Hello and welcome to another episode of the Great Minds for Business podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Grace Mansa-Urusu, and today's episode, we're bringing you special guest, Alex Straker. Alex is a London-based screenwriter who's written for many soap operas and dramas, including the BBC's EastEnders, Holby City. He also has written for the last series of The Last Kingdom and also the Paramount series Flatshare. And he also has a lot of other projects in the pipeline currently. He studied at Brunel University and he honed his skills really early on in his childhood. He knew what he wanted to do. He was always very interested and fascinated by words, reading books and expressing himself through written words. If you'd like to hear a little bit more about Alex's career trajectory and where he is now, please stay tuned. So hi everyone, welcome to another episode of this podcast and again as usual we have a special guest so I'm going to get him to introduce himself. Hey, um, my name is Alex Straker and I am working as a screenwriter based uh, in Greater London. Brilliant, so thank you Alex and I'm going to give a little bit of a background. Me and Alex have known each other since we were kids so um there's literal literal (laughs) babies in in our mother's arms so (laughs) that's where we we might have a few inside jokes but I'll try and keep it as a minimum but um (laughs) yeah screenwriting can you explain what that means for people because yeah give us an overview a nice summary of what screenwriter does yeah yeah sure so a screenwriter is someone who is in in a nutshell kind of comes up with the stories, ideas, and then the scripts for feature films and TV series predominantly. Mm-hmm. The term is sometimes used to apply to like video games writers as well. So people who come up with like story ideas for video games. I've got about so it's kind video of... games. People need to write stories for that as well, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's kind of a casual term for like, writing for the screen right right? writing for visual mediums but it's predominantly used to like refer to like film and tv so Mm. whether it's feature films comedy or drama and so I work as a tv screenwriter which means that I will write scripts that will go into production for tv series and that can be say if I'm creating my own show or for the time being working on other existing shows so it might be a long-running show like EastEnders or Casualty, or it might be a drama series on Netflix, like something like Squid Game. So essentially, it's someone who basically generates all of the story. So all of those lines of dialogue, all of the uh, scene description of what happens in that scene, Mm -hmm. creating the characters, uh, that the writer basically does all of that. And it's, it's one of those jobs, like, I never knew that as, as strange as it sounds, like when I was a kid, I never knew that there was a writer that made. I kind of just watched yeah. films and TV and kind of assumed it just turned up there. As as strange as it sounds, because there was nobody talked about it, and there was there, there wasn't really, especially like at school and stuff, like nobody said, "Oh, you you know you can work in the film industry and you can write scripts and you can be the one to come up with the dialogue that Bruce Willis is going to say right before he takes down the bad guy and." <laughs> All of that kind of stuff because it was so removed from life in Slough, kind of. Yeah. It was just like a whole other universe. Yeah. It's a really good point. Like, no one ever thinks about who does, how these stories come about. And 
I'm going to give a bit of background. So I got back in yeah. touch with Alex after I was watching an episode of EastEnders because I'm only, I still watch EastEnders. I think I've missed tonight, so I'm going to watch it on Catch Up. Nice and I was watching an episode and then the trailer came, you know, the, the credits came at the end and it said this episode was written by... And I don't even know why I was reading it because usually I get up and like <laughs> I'm doing something at the end. It was yeah. written by Alex Strake. And I was like, hang on, hang on. I know that name. <laughs> and I was like, it was really bugging me. I'm like, that's an unusual name. Like that's not an yeah. everyday name. So it must be the Alex Straker I know, right? So I don't yeah, even know how I did it. floating around everywhere. That's for sure. I was just like, how am I going to find out if this is... I think I even Googled it. And I think you were the only one that came up. So I was like, no, this, is... <laughs> this doesn't make sense. So I think I... I think I told my dad. <laughs> I was like, I think he wrote an episode of EastEnders, but I don't understand because I didn't know if this is what he did. And then right. I think I found, I don't know who told me that it was correct, that like I wasn't imagining it. And uh, then I got in touch with you and then you were like, yeah. <laughs> <It was laughs> I was like, so the episode I just watched with the crazy storyline, that yeah. was you. Like, that honestly, was I was blown away. I was blown away because <laughs> I was like, I don't even think before then, I know anyone that, or knew anyone that did screenwriting. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's the thing, I didn't. And I think especially, uh, it, it, there, there just wasn't anything, I think, in terms of UK writers getting the chance to really, like no one came into my school and kind of no. said, to, like, <laughs> sat us down and said, well, look guys, like you can be a doctor, you can be a therapist, you can, yeah. you can be an engineer, you can be a screenwriter. Like there was never that conversation. It was always like, maybe if you're lucky you, you like you might be a novelist and you might mm. but even then actually I remember really clearly being told that that wasn't like a real job like you had to be a novelist who and like you're living doing something else yeah yeah so I think creative writing in general there was never really any emphasis on that as a career path which I wish I realized now actually like it has changed a lot I feel like the internet actually was a real big driver in that in terms of like when I was first sort of starting to write creatively you couldn't really get hold of screenplays because so screenplays that have a particular format there'll be a particular number of pages so like in general oh. it's like a one page equals one minute of screen time oh, so wow that's a lot of pages for half an hour yeah so it's a, it's a lot of pages and then also it's like it, it has to be laid out a certain way mm -hmm. And you're, there'll be a certain ratio of kind of like dialogue to action in terms of what's wow. expected. So you, it's it's got to look a certain way. It's got to be written in the present tense. You've got to have all of these like transitions, all these other kind of things. So reading a script for a film or a TV series when I was younger, it was like, unless you knew someone who yeah. worked in it, you had, there was no way to get hold of it. Like your local library wouldn't have no, it. I can imagine. <laughs> if, if only. I mean, if, if they had books on screenwriting, it might be one if you're very lucky. And and now you can just, you can get all that stuff online really easily. But back then there wasn't really that freedom. So I think it was when I was a teenager that my mum had signed me up to like this book club thing okay. in, in honestly it's probably like I badgered her until she let me sign up for it but she let me sign up for this thing so essentially it's like a every month you would get like books in the post right, right. and um, they would just be randomly selected for you and so I remember there being a couple of scripts that some for some reason were included in one of the packages and I remember reading it 
and being like this is what I want to do oh like, wow really yeah it was it was just I, I I even now I love reading scripts I, there's just something about it like I remember it was around about that time that I started to go to like bookshops near my school and it was like this back in the day like yeah. when Borders was a thing and like oh yeah all of these old school like American bookshops and yeah. I think because they were American bookshops they like America being so much more open about film and TV they would stock a lot of American stuff so they yeah. had scripts there so I used to go in there and just read scripts until members of staff said to me are you paying for it and I'm out, but, and then come back like an hour later so I just used to like read all of these scripts when I was there and was just like this is amazing and and it's kind of like watching a film come together in your own mind was kind of what it was like reading it and I'd go and watch the film and then read the script again and so it was really just a case of kind of falling in love with it and luckily coming across it and I'm glad that I did because it's such a unique form of of writing I think you a a play if you read a play Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be exactly what you see on stage yeah and there's there's very much a thing I think in theatre from what I know of it where like the playwriter's word is it is exactly as as it's written is how it's performed and similarly like with novels like you know a, a novelist will will publish the novel that they wrote yeah but screenwriting is so much more flexible where it, it's kind of, it's really a blueprint and it's it's mm. not uncommon that a script will change in production and it can be for all kinds of reasons but it's it's it was fascinating reading those those scripts because sometimes you would see like an entire scene would just get cut down to a single look from one actor wow. to another and that's just because the the way the stories work it just means that sometimes you need less than you thought you did on the page or you need more it's it's just a really unique writing process and a really fun one mm. and yeah I think unless you've got kind of a bit of an inside knowledge of it or certainly when we were growing up unless you had that inside knowledge you would never know like how to get into it brilliant so you talk you talked a lot about like being younger and falling in love with the the medium so can we go back to like smaller Alex so how what was your educational path like and how did you manage to tailor it to basically get what you wanted so school where did you go to school was there any inspiring teachers and then on to uni etc yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I think, I think it, it, oh, it was. It's such a long, winding journey. Like there, like there's just there's so many twists and turns. I think because because there is no one pathway into writing, and particularly screenwriting. I kind of knew by the time I was a teenager what I wanted to do. I mean, I I was kind of lucky in that I had a bit of a head start. Like I knew since I was about. I guess six or seven right. to do something with writing so by the time that I was like in primary school going into secondary school I was constantly like writing stories all the time right, right. and just con- like, like constantly doing that kind of stuff but I was mainly writing in prose kind yeah. of thinking I'm going to write novels I'm going to write short stories that's going to be what I'm going to do so it just was a case of then kind of adapting to the model of screenwriting and trying out writing scripts for the first time and downloading templates and stuff from the internet so I think there's it was a combination of like self-teaching in terms of education and also having some really great mentors from quite a young age Mm 
just people who really supported me on the pathway to my profession yeah because I feel like so much of writing is really about trial and error and about yeah. constantly rewriting and, and and also I think just allowing yourself to to grow yeah you know in, in the same way that I think with other creative principles and practices like if you want to become a sports person of any kind or a musician you have to learn the instrument you have to learn you know how to kick a ball and you have to learn you know the rules of the game and I feel like I had a couple of teachers at school certainly my English teacher um Mr Martin at my secondary school who really kind of pushed me to do as much as I could and I ended up like writing I guess like the first draft of a like a yeah. year out novel when I was wow. at year nine year ten in year nine you were writing yeah. novels but this, I was this, I was trying to concentrate and do my GCSE and well, this is the problem because like <laughs> The maths, like my, it, it, yeah, there were, there was, I think I spent a bit too much time writing late into the night, but then meant that when it came to, to first, first, first period double maths morning, <laughs> it was a bit of a struggle, but I mean, it, that, that's the thing, it was, it was just a real case of trying to find a bit of balance to it, but certainly mm. like, I, I, I was just like really excited and obsessed with writing at that point and I luckily had someone that saw that as, an, as something to encourage because I think you're at that age you're so responsive to what adults tell you yeah yeah in a way that you're not as much with your peers I mean you you are but I think certainly like when it's someone that you really look up to if they're if they're telling you you know keep doing it you've got something that counts for a lot and um, I was lucky, lucky enough to find people really through every stage of my educational journey. So it was the same with my screenwriting lecturer at Brunel, Jonathan Horrigan, who kind of, again, really, I mean, I, I'd read scripts before I met him, but I hadn't really settled, settled on what my career path would look like. And he really helped me shape that and, and continues to be like a friend and to really kind of you know be a, a huge encourager of my career and then also kind of then just branching that out to education beyond degree level yeah. in terms of like I, I think as, as a writer like your education process continues in some shape or form anyway because like I did schemes with the BBC which were instrumental to getting me onto EastEnders and the people on those schemes were very much like hey, I love your writing, work on this, work on that, you know, Brilliant. give this a try, you know, try this scheme, try that. And I think it's just very much a case of, of uh, constantly looking for ways to improve. Yeah. And, and I think just, just, just also a lot of no's along the way of that, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of things that I applied for that I didn't get, a lot of competitions that I entered that I didn't get, a lot of uh, like I, at one point I'd kind of really wanted to go to film school in America and then I saw the fees yeah, and it was just like it's never going to happen that's never going to happen and so it was a case of like recalibrating and thinking okay I'm not going to get in through the film school route in that way but what can I do and I was like okay I'm going to study English and film and TV here because that means right. I get storytelling experience as well as yeah. practical film experience and so I think a lot of it is just just that it's it's you have to kind of combine your own self-education yeah in terms of figuring out what you like what you don't like 
what you gravitate towards. And then I think just making the most of any education, whether and that, and that doesn't have to be paid. I think that now, like you or even saying not super expensive, you've got things like masterclass, you've got like BBC are, are amazing into their writer's room. They do so much stuff with writers for free. A lot of my early stuff was sort of right. schemes for them for free. And yeah, just, just trying everything. I think just being persistent with it. Fantastic. Honestly, it sounds so interesting. And it's a bit sad. I felt a bit sad for like younger Alex where you're like, oh, I want to go to film school in America, but how am I going to find all of this money? Um, how did you, so from like the A-level or college stage, what kind of subjects did you do to get get you prepared to apply for that course at Brunel? And I will talk about Brunel a, yeah, a yeah, separately yeah. in a minute because, yeah, there's a lot going on. I think at that time that you were there, I know so many people and another friend that I met there actually was saying it um, on Instagram the other day. She's like, "What? I don't know what was in the water in, in Brunel, in Uxbridge in the early 2010s because there's so many success stories. Right. So, so many. many. And I keep finding so one. Like, oh, you went to Brunel? I was like, no, it's it's mad. And I don't I don't think people even realise that. It's like I, I know it sort of haven't been on the ground, but I, I'm never surprised when anyone, when anyone when I see anyone successful, I'm like, they went to Brunel. I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> it was just like, it was a great time. But in terms of like what your question about what I did before. So the first thing that I did as soon as I possibly could, I dropped maths. I was like, that's done. And that's over. So after GCSE, it was like, after, after GCSE. Yeah, I know. I did the GCSE and I, I, did, I did well the GCSE. Like I did, I did pull it together. But I was like, I'm never going to be great at maths. And, and, and the moral of the story is not drop maths. It's more like, like now, actually, I think I, I would love to do a maths course just just now that I'm free to, I think when you when you choose to do it, it's more enjoyable than when you feel like you're being forced. Mm. But I think I realized that the key for me was going to be focusing on trying to do the best at subjects that I was interested in. And that would give me a route to studying something humanities based right. regardless. So I did four A-levels. I was going to try and do five. Oh, then Lord. Oh, you were real that's a lot not for, yeah yeah I don't know what I was thinking but so originally I took English literature drama and theatre studies uh history yeah. and forgetting my own education uh, psychology and oh. film studies did I say film studies? No. no so originally I took those five and then I saw the psychology workload and I was like nah <laughs> so I dropped psychology and I did four uh, uh did really well with those I, I it was the first time that I that I felt like I, I've always been a, a bit of a geek and it was the first time that being a geek was cool <laughs> <laughs> like it became useful for me to be you chose really heavy subjects because when you even said that you added psychology into the mix I was like when did you have time because but do you know what it was they were think... big hitters yeah but I think Younger me, so I've been certainly what I was told was that if you're unless you're doing like a STEM based subject, you're not working hard enough and it's not it's not a real subject. What, what, like, what school now, did you go to, please? Because this gives this gives me anxiety. It's it's not the school, it's not just the schools. I like my English teacher was really supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more there were definitely like like certain adults, and I think it was also more like right. a yeah I as well of other peers yeah, I yeah yeah a lot of people 
that I got with were really, really bright. And, you know, rightly so, you know, they've gone on to do great things and they did jump straight in. They, like, they did double maths. Like yeah, that, and the then further maths. Like, and then... like, I, have, I have no idea, like, single maths is, was enough for my brain to deal with. Yeah. Or like further maths and yeah. all these, and I'm just like I don't, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do well in that subject, and I, I just, I thought I'm gonna focus on what I really am focused on, but I, I think there, there still is a bit of a, a it's a, a stigma. There is a stigma, yeah, a massive one. Like people, and and that goes to degrees as well. People yeah, kind of, oh, you know, you're that this degree is a joke degree. That's yeah. a joke degree. I don't believe. Any of that? I mean, first of all, I think a job and and a degree, like lots of people study degrees that aren't related to the jobs that they go on to do, but also a degree shouldn't just be about a particular job and a salary because life is bigger than that. And I think now, like, you know, for younger generations coming up, they're all going to be changing jobs more frequently, right? Like no one's going into that one profession for the rest of their lives or very, very few in the way that the that it was the case like 30 years ago. So I think it was definitely kind of uh, uh, kind of an unspoken assumption for some people. Right, I understand. But I so I just leaned into it because I thought this is kind of my chance to do what I really really care about. And and I think because it never then felt like a chore, I never felt like unhappy having to do those subjects like I was able to just work really hard and lean into it and enjoy it. And it was a great two years being able to study that. And I think without that experience, going to university would have been a lot more daunting, but because yeah. it, just, it just gave me such a good grounding to be able to kind of consider, I, I, I guess sort of, sort of consider the benefits of a creative pathway I think I, I got to a point actually right before that I sort of thought of writing and stuff like that as something which was going to get in the way in the way that like oh. messages had spoken about me spending so much time doing creative writing that I had neglected maths and biology and physics and stuff and so it was actually kind of really reaffirming to do my A-levels and to do really well and stuff that was tied to what I was passionate about yeah. because it kind of helped to rebalance for me absolutely with yeah it's kind of like giving yourself permission to focus on what is you enjoyed and th- and that it wasn't bad like you still were able to enjoy it and you got the validation of the grades at the end so it was a win-win situation for everyone <laughs> yeah exactly and, and because and that can be kind of addictive because I think that in when I was doing my GCSEs there was a time of real difficulty with certain subjects because mm. either because of the way that they were taught or just because of the subjects themselves it was never going to be a natural fit for mm. me and I think there can be a lot of pressure or, or, or a lot of talk about particularly I think teenage boys yeah supposedly not applying themselves when actually it's yeah. like there needs to be more recognition that not everybody is going to get an A in every subject and it's okay to sometimes as, you know to you, of course you've got to pull your weight but it's okay to not be great in everything yeah and... exactly it's normal like we're not robots exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly exactly that brilliant so when you got off when you finished a levels and went to uni and got to study full time I suppose like what was that like for you 
that was scary because you like especially like like the first year of uni like no one is telling you to do anything like ne nothing and no one kind of prepares you for it because okay. you spent the longest time in school with everybody doing the same things and like even at even at a level you've got a really clear path where it's like you do this module this module exam this module this module exam uh you know you, you've got a crown you've got to get, get six exams done and you've got to do course but it kind of feels like you've got a bit of a structure and everybody knows what they're doing I think university for me was the stage where I started to realize that no one really knows what they're doing and everybody's just figuring it out yeah because it was kind of just like having to pick modules and everyone's education was different everyone has studied mm. different things mm. and suddenly you know you're surrounded by hundreds of people in a community where you don't know anyone you're kind of figuring out what that means and no one tells you when to go or when to arrive or what they expect from you at yeah. least I think in that first year yeah. because there's so many students and everybody's going to a lot of the same certainly I think for at that time when I was at Brunel a lot of the English modules in particular were geared towards getting everyone on the same page right recognizing that everyone's some people might not have studied English at a level as possibly or not have studied the same courses so mm. a lot of it was about get about that and and so there was a lot of freedom okay and I think it was the the fear of what to do with that freedom I think was a bit strange and I think it actually became a bit hard to be creative in that time because it was a balance of oh should I really should I be studying now because no one's telling what to do and I've got like two hours of lectures today and the rest of the day is free but I've got <laughs> week to talk through my project mm. and I have no idea what I'm supposed to bring to that so yeah it, it was just I think uh, you know a, a bit a bit unnerving to kind of to have that much agency and um that was a bit of a, an adjustment but I think by second year I really kind of got the hang of it and it felt like I realized oh actually this is good it's good because they're trusting me to go with my instincts and it's not about getting everything right first time or it's not about just ticking a box like it's university was really a space where I could kind of creatively figure out what a lot of the questions about the world and myself were and not necessarily have to come up with an answer right away like it was a really good space to be able to kind of get to know film and writing in a new way from people who have completely different career aspirations to me like you're just right. you're thrown in with people who want to be poets or okay. that want to um be directors but not writers that want to be musicians that want to be you know work in the lighting department that it's like suddenly you're, you, you know you, you go from being the one creative in the room or the or the one of three right. to like a whole network of people and some of those people have worked on like you know done work experience at Pinewood yeah. and suddenly you're like oh wait I kind of thought I was here but I'm here in this part of my journey and so it was it was a, it was a good period of soul searching yeah yeah definitely and after you finished what was your first like foray what did you try? What what are the few things you tried after uni to get you into that screenwriting space? Oh yeah. Uh, the, so the first oh 
you know what? Some of, like, certainly, the, I mean, the first few things was just getting any job. Mm. It was so it was so weird because I remember really clearly going to my graduation and having a great day, mm. and then everybody just disappeared. Like everyone just vanished, and it was just that kind of a realization. Like, I remember being stood at the bus stop in Uxbridge, just like. I like there's no guide like there is nothing like everybody's off on their own trajectories mm-hmm. some people had jobs lined up in you know before they even graduated yeah. other people were going traveling others were going to do a master's and it was just like um I don't really know what what's next yeah. and so some of it was just trying to get something to pay the bills whilst I was doing a lot of creative work around it and so I was just working part-time in a bookshop, which I loved, and just entering schemes. Like I remember okay. there were a couple of US-based competitions that I entered. Mm-hmm. I didn't win, but I'm going through a few rounds and getting some good feedback. But it, it was it was it was that process of trying to break in. And I think mm-hmm. that stage of a writer's career is always really different. Yeah. And people have different career objectives and and career goals I mean for me I knew that I wanted to get like a broadcast tv credit like I wanted like an episode of EastEnders I wanted something because at that time like there was no Netflix in the UK there was no Amazon there was no Disney no. like you went to the BBC went to ITV went to Channel 4 yeah Channel 5 I think Sky was just starting to make their own shows so there were fewer places to take stuff and also fewer, not few, I wouldn't say fewer opportunities. I think more, fewer expectations of what writers would do earlier on in their career. Right, right. More, you will go through, you spend a certain amount of time working on other people's shows or you'll, you'll work on something smaller or you'll do a lot of shadowing and then you'll right. get. And so it was, it was just a case of just figuring out how to make those connections or to get onto schemes. And it kind of, so it did kind of feel like breaking into like a bank vault. Yeah. But like a bank vault that's floating in space. Wow. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, it was just, it, it seemed really impenetrable. Mm. And um, I, th- I think the way that I kind of navigated it was just by throwing myself at it as often as I could yeah. and kind of accepting that like if a door wasn't going to open I was going to use my chainsaw and I was going to make my own window and I was going to crawl through that way like I think just I I, I kind of envy younger Alex because I think I had less fear in that respect yeah. I wasn't really thinking about that I didn't overthink things in the way that I think you can do as you kind of get older yeah I, the I fear you, sets in a bit more doesn't it it does, and I, and I think also it kind of feels like you have less to lose. Yeah. Because you haven't really lived that long. So yeah. it's kind of like, well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, of course I'm just going to go for it. Like, I, it's, it's weird now to kind of look back on that because I, I totally believe that that Alex would have just dropped everything if someone had said, move to New York next week. <laughs> done it. Whereas for me now, it's like, even now I'd be like, okay, how am I going to sort that out? And <laughs> take that to the post office. Like how are these <laughs> life things going to get done? And so I think, I think in some ways it was harder and easier. Mm. because There were, there was less at risk, but also 
it felt like the odds were that much greater. Yeah. Yeah, I hear. I know exactly what you mean. So where did you, so if we're talking about now to the present, um, what kinds of things have you been working on? What's your, yeah, if you can talk about your current projects, because I know sometimes you can't talk about it, but yeah, what have you done in the past? And yeah, where are you now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really blessed in that I've, I've worked on great shows and stuff. I've loved like both the writing of it and then seeing like the final thing as well. So like EastEnders was my first, professional credit and um that was incredible just like just it's just so weird kind of like the experience that you had sort of seeing my name on screen it was exactly the same for me and that I was sort of like who is <laughs> is that me like that that name is that actually me like for a long time as well I just had so much paranoia and fear that I would watch it and they would just it wouldn't be my name on it that they would just be like oh actually that Alex guy, let's not let's not get him back. Let's just pretend he never he know who's never involved. So, uh, yeah. So EastEnders. Then I I done Holby City when right. that was on. That was really fun, and that was a big shift mm. as well. Moving from a thirty minute show to a sixty minute show and like a full sixty minutes as well. Yeah. Um, that was really fun to write. Uh, I worked on a show called The Last Kingdom for Netflix. I worked on a show called The Flat Share for Paramount Plus. I've heard of The Flat Share. I think I tried to watch it, but I think I needed to have another. You need to. You need I need to... to pay for it. I was like, no, nah, sorry, I'm not. Oh yeah, it. yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a free trial, so you can. Okay, I'll definitely. Now I know that you worked on it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and watch it. <laughs> uh, I'm doing at the moment. I've got a, sh- a show on Disney coming out later this year. I don't know how it's been announced. So I won't name it yet. And then I've got something else on Netflix next year, and something else on Disney next year. So. Brilliant. I'm working on a load of different shows and also developing my own original stuff as well. So I've got a couple of shows which I am sort of either working with production companies on or sort of in discussions on. So it's really busy and good busy. I feel mm. like uh, there's so much stuff to come as well. Like there's a, a lot of a lot of new things on the horizon. So yeah. And like, how do you get work as a screenwriter? Like, do you apply for jobs? Like, how does it work? So I've got an agent who I've been with since I started working professionally. And so he is really crucial in sort of identifying like work opportunities. and, And a lot of it is sort of like building networks, networking, having a lot of meetings and and also I think like what's been really fun is sort of seeing other people who sort of come into the industry at the same time as me sort of seeing their trajectory and that they are becoming producers and sort of you know building their own slates and so working with me and stuff because we've already established that relationship so it, it is also one of those businesses where talent kind of coming into it helps to shape it and shape what it becomes and so uh, those writers that are sort of junior writers 10 years on or sort of getting their own shows and so on and so on and so on and then helping to nurture the next generation of talent so it's like a like a pay it forward thing kind of yeah everyone kind of helps the next yeah you help yourself and you help the next generation coming exactly and I think that that's um that's one of the things that's really exciting about working in this business is having the chance to see other people and be like I remember like when we were kind of starting out together it kind of it's I really like being feeling like I'm part of a community like a yeah. creative community that's a real joy because mm. so much of creative work can be quite 
isolated. Yeah. There is no sort of writer's HR department where you can kind of sit down and be like, have your 360 review and be like, okay, well, this is what's happened this year. And this is what we like, there isn't that. And so it's, it's helpful to have that kind of network of creatives because you kind of can know what each other are going through and, yeah. and support each other, but also because it can be like inspiring to see other people and, and what they're doing and a reminder that, you know, limitations can be pushed against and that, you know, I think that the way the industry is now, I never could have predicted that all these things would be happening 10 years ago. So I think it's, it's, it's helpful to get those reminders that actually, you know, doors can be opened and, and. Absolutely. And would there anything, would you change anything on your journey? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think that the, the tendency would be to kind of say, I wish I could like get in a time machine with what I know now yeah. and pitch Squid Game. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Um, no, I, I I don't think so because it. I'm I mean I'm really happy with where I am now, and I I feel like even the, the knocks and the no's and the setbacks all played a role in getting me to the place that I'm at and and actually in in, in some cases as, as well like I mentioned Squid Game like jokingly genuinely but like that show took years to get made yeah and the writer I think had written the script and people thought it you know would be too violent for tv and like and there's so many other projects like that like yeah. really big or successful films or tv shows that took such a long journey to the screen and so I think the great thing I've, I've, about writing is that even your disappointments can be really fertile ground Absolutely. for the successes. Yeah. And so I don't think I would change anything. And we're nearly at the end, but like through your journey, and it does sound like you said, there was no, there's not necessarily a clear path, and everyone does things differently. But in terms of like any particular barriers, especially any thing to do with like your race or your background you already spoke about like not necessarily knowing people in the industry before you mm -hmm. got into it um as a young person but yeah was there anything else that you noticed within the industry once you got in it yeah I think that certainly there there are there have been a real uh, it's really difficult I think coming into the industry as or certainly was as a black writer who couldn't see other role models for me to follow. I mm. think that it's, it's one of those weird things as well where I feel like things are shifting now and and I hope to be part of that positive change. But I think we all need to see people and, you know, and, and should be able to see people who are like us yeah. succeeding and striving and I feel like the industry can needs to continue to do more work to make that a regular occurrence. Like, like for me, like I remember sort of going to see Get Out and watching Jordan Peele's career like take off, and just being in awe of it because I I remember feeling like when when I was younger and wanted to like do like a Twilight Zone thing or do something like Black Mirror or whatever. Like there was no figure there was no Michaela Cole there was no Jordan Peele there was you know there was no there, all of these these people who are 
you know, breaking barriers, yeah. I think it would really have helped me. Yeah. No, and that 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 was available to me. Mm. And I think part of the process I had to go on was talking myself into pursuing that level of excellence because like no one was really pushing me to be a writer no like nobody was really like you know you you've got to do this like you there's so much you can do with it like you know try this try that I kind of had to be that for myself and I and I and and, and that's fine to a certain extent but I I feel like I always think like how many wonderful stories have we lost yeah how many wonderful series films actors actresses directors have we lost and so I think it's an ongoing process of wanting wanting to see that process continue where we have a hundred Jordan Peels I think in every possible genre I think that what you said is really profound I'm actually writing it down how many stories have we lost (laughs) because that's what it boils down to people have stories but do they get like silenced or hidden or trampled on because people are like oh what are you talking about like no one that of course you're not going to write a book like just get over it and get a real job yeah 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 exactly and and actually I think that would help a lot of creatives if they do have someone that they can look at and be like well that person did it that Mm. person's done exactly what I'm trying to do so I can of course I can do it I feel like well, a lot of that would help a lot of young people. Like if, if I could have sat down and seen a Jordan Peele win an Oscar when I was yes. eight or 10, I think it would have sped up my trajectory a lot. Yeah. There are a lot of people who have amazing writing talent who maybe mm. pursued other career paths because mm. they get the opportunity to see that great representation and to know that there's, there's space there for me. I can't say anything more because I just think you've just put it so profoundly, honestly. I and it's it's making me think about, you know, how we can help the next generation because it is about not silencing people's experiences or ideas. And I think as a society in general, especially in the UK, we we do this a lot where we're like, nah. Yeah. You just focus on reading your book. You don't yeah, have to think about all saying? of these stories and ideas. Like, no, you just do that and you'll, yeah, don't worry about all of this fanciful stuff that you've got in going on your head I think it kind of gets crushed yeah it, it does get crushed and I think also because there's a lack of recognition about the the, the variety of roles that are available in the industry mm. there are so many different roles like writing is just one facet I mean and actually there are maybe some people that want to work in story but don't want to be writers and that you know that's where people like script editors or story producers come into right. it. Script editors will work with writers to shape stories and will kind of be like your go-between between like say the production team and the writer. Like there's so many different roles that encompass the process of writing. Mm. So it's also about ensuring that young people, and not just young people, yeah. because it applies to people actually regardless of their age, recognize that they can contribute to to the business and be part of the business in a whole range of departments and and actually I think that that in in this world there's only more and more opportunities to add to that like things like you know mental health and wellness advocates like all of these things now moving into you know that the everyday speak of the industry and so 
all of that as well um you know you can be a creative and contribute in any area and i i think it's about allowing people to see that the sky is really the limit in terms of what you can do brilliant and the last question well the last two what would you say your future plans are just give us a couple of directions uh, you know the alex straker production company or yeah 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 good good oh there's there are so many there are so many and also also for me I think that's what has actually been really profound about the last couple of years Mm. is me kind of having that exact same conversation with myself in terms of thinking well well, I don't have to do things one way like it was really fascinating seeing like Tyler Tyler Perry has a studio and like just seeing people doing things that it's like until until it's there it's like oh yeah I I didn't even think that that was possible Mm. so I mean definitely like having my own production company would be great I mean I've I've probably got four or five core things I want to do over the next few years um and I won't go into all of them I definitely think that nurturing other talents is a part of that and a really key part of that mm. because I do see it all as one yeah. big cycle because I, I want to be able to help I know that there will be a younger version of Alex like yeah. someone else like that who just needs that push to say you can do it Absolutely. I think for me it would come full circle to be able to be that person Brilliant. and then again this is actually the last question <laughs> um, <laughs> what two pieces of advice would you give to somebody doesn't have to be a young person but somebody who wants to get into the world of screenwriting or film or anything creative but to do with like language um Mm -hmm. expressing themselves yeah what advice would you give them that's a good one I think first of all have fun like really have fun And and I mean that not just in terms of in the writing but in life itself because I feel like there can be so much pressure and expectation to uh, like to break in and to do lots of things and to work on lots of things yeah and I think that one of the things that younger Alex had that for a while I kind of lost sight of in trying to sort of get a career is just that pure enjoyment in storytelling and I think it goes back to like what I mentioned about sort of you know, missing lessons and, well, not, not missing lessons, it was more like slightly overrunning my lunch break, <laughs> but um, just like staying up late, writing mm. stories and just constantly working on stuff and constantly just like daydreaming and imagining and going to the park and dreaming up stories. Like all of that I realized was like my writing process really developing. And I think that with any creative creative endeavor like if you try and turn that from what began as a hobby into a business it can kind of take a bit of time to figure out how to make that transition yeah where suddenly it's like whether you're in the mood or not whether you've got the flu or not you've got to get those script pages done and that's a very different kind of thing so I think remembering to hold on to the fun the fact that it is fun yeah because it is fun it is really enjoyable and hold on to that as much as possible, I think, is a really important thing to carry throughout life. Um, and the second thing that I would advise, is it, do you, do you think, should it, is this something writing based or do you just mean life in general or? Yeah, 
whatever you want to give the people <laughs> it doesn't yeah like what what you think Ad advice around careers in the creative space but then that also could be life advice as well yeah I think work on building relationships not contacts okay I think that very often uh when I sort of first started I say trying to network because it really was trying to network uh it was sort of coming to events with business cards and if you do take business cards make sure that you spelt your name correctly <laughs> on them before you go I made that mistake once and it was it was painful um yeah I spent a lot, a lot of time like going to those events and thinking that you that you kind of need to present yourself a certain way but actually what I've learned is that you know we're all people we all connect with people as as people and yeah. So it's interesting seeing so many of the people I admire in the industry, when you hear them, like when they've worked together years and years and years, yeah. you realise that they're, they're friends. Yeah. At some level, and they might challenge each other creatively, but it's it comes from a place of friendship. Mm. And I think aspiring to that is really good because I think it is about the connection that you might make at a drinks in central London. Yeah might pay off eight years down the line yeah and it, it's so interesting something like seeing sometimes like someone that I, that I really clicked with yeah. at a drinks event or over a really brief conversation or when we both got rained on waiting to get inside and you just build up a conversation and then before you know it you're creating stuff together mm. I think creating projects is like kind of like little marriages and I think the more you can kind of look at it from the perspective of I'm going to meet my collaborator and someone who I'm going to know for years uh, and want to know for years. I think the more likely you're, you are to find your people. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant talking to you and all the best for the future. I'm looking forward to seeing your name and more credits. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Grace.